thank you, Bill, for wonderful introduction. Uh, thank you for all of you for coming to this uh, talk. Uh, the title of my talk is a bit uh, sensational. Uh, is God subject to vote? Um, this title is inspired actually by a comment made by uh, a members of the parliament, a Muslim members of parliament in Jakarta um, five years ago. Um, this gentleman said, this gentleman represent one of the Islamic party in, in Jakarta. It's called PBB, uh, the Moon and Star Party, um, one party that uh, advocate for the application of the Islamic law in Indonesia. And this gentleman said in one of the debate in the parliament that uh, God law, what is called uh, by Muslim as Sharia, as uh, the divine law, uh, uh, should not or can, could not be um, forwarded, could not be subject to fault because divine law is 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 defined, is 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 eternal, it is universal, it is not subject to any discussion, to any question. So um, human or Muslim in this case uh, cannot have any option other than uh, implementing this law without any uh, questioning. So this uh, title is, is, is taken from that comment. And they say that God law is not subject to um, amendment, to questioning, to debate at all, because this is God law. And this is quite interesting. And it's, 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 I think it it's reflects um, what is going on in, in in the in the debate among the Muslim now in Indonesia, one of the big questions that's facing us now in 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 my country after after democracy, after the the um, collapse of the authoritarian regime of the former Suharto, um, one of the big question is whether um, religious law or Islamic law should be the law of land. So this is the big question. And I think the big ground for, for this um, demand to implement, to apply the Islamic law is, is quite legitimate. Um, for many decades, Muslims complained that, that they live under the Western code. So for many, for many years, for I think for more than, than 1,000 years, Muslim people, Muslim community, were ruled by the Islamic code, by the civil and criminal Islamic code. And this situation ended when the Western colonialism came to Islamic land. And since then, the, the land was, was governed by the, Islamic, the Western code. In Indonesian case, for example, after the Dutch colonialism came to Indonesia in, in 17th century, or yeah, in 17th or 18th century, um, uh, the practice of the Islamic code, the Islamic law, was 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 abandoned, and suddenly the the Dutch code became the law of the land, and and this this is a big concern for the Muslim. Why why should we as a Muslim be governed by the Western law, which is alien, which is not rooted in our tradition? And I think I think the concern is is quite clear that. They need to be um, to be ruled, to be governed by the Islamic law, because this is a law that is that is rooted in the tradition, and that's that is the reason why the debate came out now in Indonesia and in many other countries, um, and it is centered around the 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 basic issue, and the issue is whether Islamic law should be the law of the land. Uh, there are many Islamic organizations and institutions and parties in Indonesia, and I think Muslims do not have a single voice at this issue, actually. Um, there are some, some, some Islamic or yeah, Muslim organization that, that is campaigning uh, vigorously for this agenda. They try to advocate um, to bring the Islamic law, the Sharia, back into Indonesia, into the country. 
Um, for example, groups like uh, Majlis Mujahideen Indonesia, the Council of the Indonesian Mujahideen, uh, the, yeah. this is one of the good examples in which uh, we see a representative uh, of the Islamic group that, that advocate for the Islamic law. And actually, they, they started to, um, to formulate or to uh, draft uh, a civil and criminal code that is based on the Islamic law, and they try to press for it, and then they try to, uh, they press the parliament to adopt this draft to be, uh, to be, to be uh, the positive of the, 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 the law for Indonesia. And um, there is another group called Hizbut uh, Tahrir, or, yeah, this is one of the, um, important groups that think or that advocate for the revivification or the reconstitution of the idea of Islamic caliphate, universal Islamic, um, you know, rule, um, it's called caliphate. And, and this group is also one of the group that, that is among the most important supporters of this agenda to, to apply the Islamic Sharia in Indonesia. But, but if you look at the um, uh, at the landscape of the Indonesian society, uh, actually, this group—I mean, MMI, the the Council of the Mujahideen and the Hizbut Tahrir—is representing a small group. Actually, the majority of the Indonesian Muslim uh, has various and more nuanced um, um, opinion. Uh, toward this issue. Um, the biggest Islamic organization, which is Nahdlatul Ulama and Muhammadiyah, one of the, mo one, one of the major moderate organization that represent the majority of the Muslim society in Indonesia, um, they have more reluctance um, 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 opinion about this issue. Uh, they don't support um, publicly um, the application or, yeah, the application of the Islamic law, but they don't also reject the possibility of the, of the application of the law. Um, but rather, they said that this law must be reinterpreted. So one of the questions that is, that is being debated in, in, in the society is whether one of the questions is what what kind of law that should be adopted as 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 a code as 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 the national law because you know the islamic law is not a single law uh islamic law is is a kind of um is kind of uh, a collection of the legal opinion produced by scholars over more than 1000 years you know um Islam, unlike Christianity, has a very strong tradition of legal scholarship. So legal discussion or legal scholarship is like theology in Christianity. It is one of the most important field in the Islamic uh, intellectual history. So in Islam, you have a very rich of the, of the legal tradition. And in this tradition, you have a different opinion. Uh, in Indonesia, for example, um, there are four um, predominant school of thought in the Islamic legal tradition, uh, Hanafite, uh, Malikite, Shafi'ite, and Hanbalite. Uh, the, the predominant school of thought that is um, common in Indonesia is Shafi'i Madhab, Shafi'i school of thought, while in some other Islamic land, like in Egypt, Hanafi is more predominant in Turkey, Hanafi is more predominant in India, also Hanafi is more predominant. But in Indonesia in, in, and also in the Southeast, Asian, Southeast Asia in general, uh, Shafi school of thought is, is, is pretty much uh, predominant. And there, there are different opinions, uh, legal opinions, uh, on various issues. Uh, so it's not, a, it's not single tradition, actually. So when, when Muslim, when, when, the, uh, when the Muslim political activist, when the Muslim politician 
um, introduce a very general rhetoric that Islamic law should be adopted. There is a, a big question, actually, what kind of, what, what's, what aspect or what, what kind of law that they think about that it should be adopted. Because, because um, as I mentioned before, that Islamic legal tradition is very rich. It's not a single tradition. It has very, very differences. So, um, but, but the, the issue of the application of Islamic law is actually, or from the first minute, is political issue. It is one of issues that is uh, utilized by the politician and um, some Muslim ideologues to mobilize the Muslim uh, vote. Uh, it's, not, it's, not, it's not purely a religious or um, Islamic issue. It is, it is political issue in the, in, in the first minute. So, so for the Muslim politician, the question about uh, what kind of Islamic law that should be adopted is not a big question. Because what is more important for them is to have um, a rhetoric or general rhetoric. It is it is a vague rhetoric. It is it is uh, it is it is subject to many questions actually. But this rhetoric is very 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 instrumental. It's very very effective in mobilizing in 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 also in involving the Islamic uh, voice, uh, especially in the in the election, for example. Um, um, so, um, the question that, that, is, that, is, that is raised, the concern that is raised in Indonesia is, is simply because that politicians are not aware about the diversity of the tradition. So, they, they manipulate, they tend to manipulate this issue just to mobilize uh, the vote in, in the election. So my, my, uh, my effort within the movement that is called Liberal Islam Network is basically uh, to question this very rhetoric because we need Muslim society to be critical of this um, slogan. Um, the Hizbut Tahrir groups has a very popular slogan. They say that because Indonesia now is, is, is perceived by many uh, people as plunging into crisis. So we need to save Indonesia from the crisis. And they have a slogan that save Indonesia from this crisis through Islamic Sharia, through the Islamic law. So Islamic, Islamic law is seen as a savior, as messiah. Um, to save uh, Indonesia from this crisis. And this slogan is, um, in some respect, is, is, quite, is quite attractive uh, for some people, especially for the, for the young generation. So save Indonesia from, save Indonesia through Islamic law. This is a big slogan that they always uh, uh, use it. Um, there is a, an anecdote when last, I think two years ago, when the government um, uh, increase the price of oil because of the um, yeah of the international um, uh, oil uh, hike in, in oil price. They increased the, the oil price, and then there was a, a big demonstration. And this group, this Hizbut uh, groups, uh, has a rally, has a big demonstration, and they have uh, a big slogan say that. This is, this is a good message for the, for the Muslim society. If you want to have a good governance, uh, if, you want, if you want to uh, have a, a cheap oil price, you need to apply Islamic Sharia. <laughs> because Islamic Sharia is, is a guarantee that you, you will have a good yeah, uh, economic situation. This is a bad economic situation, and the only way to... to, to the only way uh, to get out from the situation is to apply the Islamic Sharia. So this is a slogan. So, um, so this slogan is, is effective. But my, my role uh, in, in, in Liberal Islam Network um, is, is to question this slogan. Uh, because this slogan is, is manipulative. Um, 
as I mentioned to you, that Islamic law is not a single tradition, and Muslims should be, quote-unquote, educated, or um, they should be, should be, um, um, they should be aware that, that, that this slogan is not simple. So, so one way to question this, this slogan is, is to, um, to make people aware about the, the rich diversity of the Islamic tradition is, itself. Yeah. So one, one of the, one of the ways um, to awaken the people toward the danger of this slogan is that um, you need to question this very um, rhetoric. Um, because Islamic law is, 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 as a Muslim, I'm not, I, I, I don't define myself as purely a secularist or Islamist. I might be in between. I'm critical of the Islamic, um, many Islamics, I'm critical of many aspects in the, in the Islamic tradition, including Islamic law. So, but I'm not defining myself also as secularist because I, I still accept the idea that religion can have some kind of role in public life. Um, I think it is, it, is, it is simply unrealistic uh, for Muslim who live in such country like Indonesia with, in which religion has a very important role in the public life. It is, it is simply unrealistic to think that religious should, religion should be taken out completely from the public life. It is just simply unrealistic. So the only way to deal with this big question about the relationship between religion and, and public life is, 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 to, um, is to find some some middle path or some middle way between religion and politics. And the only way for me to toward that middle path is to, to question, to criticize, um, to encourage people to engage in critical inquiry into what type of religion that you need to bring into public life. And that is, that is the basic question that I'm always um, uh, bringing to the society, to the to the to the Muslim audience in Indonesia. So we need to encourage people to be critical of what type of religion that you need to um, to be playing some role in public life. And this question is very important. Why? Because um, you know Islam is Islam or Islamic legal tradition was evolving for more than 10, uh, a thousand years. So it's very, very um, old tradition. And there are aspects in this tradition that is still relevant uh, to our modern situation, but there are also other aspects in this religion which is completely irrelevant. irrelevant. Um, one of the most basic question is the issue of the um, Woman role in the society, for example. Um, last year, there was a, there was a, a positive um, um, legislation made by the parliament uh, to pass the bill uh, on the violence against uh, the domestic violence. So this this is a very important step toward um, you know um, reforming the Islamic. Or to the to the to the family law. Um, last year, the bill was passed about the domestic violence, and the debate prior to um, uh, to uh, to this to this to this passing of law was was, was very very hot. Uh, was very very um, critical. Uh, some some Muslim circle. Um, protested against the bill because the idea of domestic violence is, is quite strange or alien um, in Muslim mind because um, there is a, also some, some discussion in state here among some Muslim circle that 
because in Quran there was a, a verse saying that a husband, a husband is allowed to hit his wife is the wife um, rebels or yeah against his husband. And this very verse was was critically debated in among some Muslim circles whether this verse is 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 still relevant. Of course, this verse is is just simply against. Uh, the modern sensitivity. Uh, you cannot hit your wife because your wife, uh, you know, don't obey uh, the husband. But there is a verse in Quran saying about that. And the discussion that that's going on in 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 Indonesia was simply to uh, criticize the bill because the bill is perceived is seen as as against this Quranic injunction that allow husband to hit his wife. But anyway, um, finally, um, the Islamic um, parties support the bill. And I think it's a good, good step, I think. Um, and it is a very, very positive step. Um, so this is one, one question. Um, the question is about women's role in society. Um, the other issue is about um, the relationship between Muslim and non-Muslim. The issue of pluralism, for example, this is a is a very very uh, serious issue in in some Muslim countries. Um, you know, after after Orde Baru collapsed, after the New Order collapsed, um, there was a, a serious communal conflict going on in some. Uh, Indonesian island in Molokka, in, in Ambon, for example, between Christian and Muslim. And um, even though the conflict is not simply a religious conflict, it is, it is political, yeah, there is a political factors that impact the conflict. But I think there is also a religious element in this conflict. And one of the religious element is how Muslim um, think about others. So the discussion about relationship between Muslim and non-Muslim is also one of the big questions. And there is, there is some, some, um, some aspect in Islamic law that is problematic in or by, this, by modern standard. Um, for example, the idea of citizenship. Um, for many centuries, Muslims live in a political system, a political system in which Muslim um, retain a citizenship that is based not on the idea of of nationhood, but it is based on religion. So, for for centuries, Muslim live in caliphate uh, system in which Islam is the only religion in the land, and Muslim are recognized as a citizen as a full citizen because he is a Muslim, not because of, of, uh, because of secular idea of citizenship like we have now. And the idea of citizenship is, is one of the big question also. Um, it's not the big question in Indonesia actually, but in some Muslim countries like in Egypt, the discussion about citizenship and how Islam should deal with this concept is also um, um, discussed. Uh, the idea of muatana or citizenship uh, in Arabic word is called muatana. It's, it's one of the of, of, of the problem. Um, um, whether non-Muslim living in Islamic land is recognized as full citizen. This is one 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 other one other question. And there is a, the problem is that Islamic law has an idea of citizenship which is based on religion. So this is, this is, this is problematic in, in, in modern context because, because, because you are not recognized as citizen because of your religion but because of your, um, your because you belong to a land, because you belong to the, to the country, not because of your religion. So how do you deal with this concept, with the Islamic or religious concept about citizenship which is based on religion? And it's not easy discussion. Um, it's, 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 need, 
Muslims try to, to reinterpret this concept, but it's not easy easy um, uh, jobs to do because it needs a long process of hermeneutic uh, of, of, of interpretation of exegesis, which is not, it's not easy to do. And some Muslims do not, not all Muslims are happy with the reinterpretation of the concept of citizenship. Many Muslims still believe that that the idea of citizenship should still be based on, on religion, for example. So, so Muslim activists, I think many Muslim activists who advocate for the ratification of the, of the Islamic State, for example, they still believe that, that citizenship should be based on, on religion, not on the secular idea of citizenship like we have now. So this is, this is uh, some question that is raised uh, in the discussion about the relationship between Islamic law and, and the modern context. Um, uh, it's not, it's not, so the point, is that, the point is that Islamic law is not, is not a defined, it's not simply a defined law which is universal and eternal. Um, the idea that I try to, um, to introduce to the people is that this this very law is time and is, is time bound. It is it is very much tied to 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 very particular historical context. Um, um, five years ago, when Megawati was elected as president, um, there was some some you know um, unhappiness or uneasiness among the Muslim simply because according to Islamic law, according to certain uh, interpretation in Islamic law, women cannot assume the highest political office, like presidency, for example. Um, so that, that it, is, it, is not, it is not an easy fact to, to accept um, that Megawati as a woman become a president for the, for the country, which is, yeah, uh, whose population are predominantly Muslim. It's not an easy fact to, to accept. Um, and yeah, but but I think Indonesia is in, in this case Indonesia is 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 quite successful uh, to to um, to show um, a good example in which Islam and modernity or democracy could be compatible. Um, um, it's not an easy process, but but. At the end of the day, um, Muslim can accept that. But it is not um, Muslim can accept that situation. But 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 it is the discussion is still going on. So even though Megawati was a president in Indonesia, but the discussion about women or whether or not women could be a president is still lingering now. It's still going on now. So I would uh, suppose that. If in the future um, a woman candidate nominate herself to be a president, that would be another discussion about that issue. And in some other Muslim countries, the, the debate is still going on. In, in, in Middle Eastern countries, in, in Kuwait, in Bahrain, in Qatar, in, in Oman, for example, uh, the question about women about whether or not women be members of the parliament is still debated. So, so it, is, it is not an easy issue, I think. So, yeah. um, so this, is, this is one of the issues that has been um, questioned by, by Muslim. And uh, so, so, so uh, the, the conclusion is, is Islam compatible with democracy? This is, this is one of the biggest questions now that, that is discussed in state and in other Western countries. Is Islam compatible with democracy? Um, it is compatible and it is not in the same time. It is compatible, um, it depends on who say, or in, in uh, it depends on on the person who say um, or answer the question. If you are on the liberal or on the moderate side, you can say that Islam is compatible. But for some Muslim, uh, people that is called as 
um, Islamist or as fundamentalist or as, yeah, whatever you call. Um, for them, the relationship between Islam and democracy, Islam and, and some modern idea of human right, uh, pluralism, um, secularism, and so forth is still problematic. Um, in the PBS documentary that Professor Bill mentioned before, uh, there is a, a cleric from Indonesia that appears in that documentary also. And this, this cleric say that Islam and democracy is totally antithetical. And we, what we need as a Muslim is not democracy, but Allah Krasi, or uh, the, yeah, yeah, the government that is based on the God Sovereignty. It's not. It's not. It's not uh, popular sovereignty, but it is God's sovereignty. So, so it is Allah krasi, but not democracy, because democracy is is, is not uh, an Islamic concept. Um, so it depends. So Islam could be compatible and could could not be compatible, because 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 Muslim could have different opinion on this question. But I believe that the majority of the Muslim. Uh, think that that two concepts could be reconciled, and there are a lot of serious attempts to re to reconcile um, to reconcile between democracy and Islam is not an easy easy task simply because in order for democracy to be a genuine concept for the Muslim, it needs to be grounded in the tradition and that is that is the big question. And I think it is not only the case of Islam, it is also the case of any religion in the world now. Um, when the Catholic um, have a Vatican II in, in 65, um, there, was, there was a serious discussion before Vatican II whether Catholicism should be, um, you know, should be contextualized in the modern context what they call as aggiornamento or contextualization of the Catholicism in the modern context. And, and finally, they, they, can, they can do it. And according to some political uh, scholars, uh, this Vatican II is responsible for the, for the most important democratic um, movement or, or yeah, democratization movement in, in, in Latin America, for example. So I believe that Islam is, is capable of contextualizing itself into modern context. But as I say to people, people that it's not an easy question because, because in order to be contextual in the modern life, it needs grounding in the tradition. And that's, that, that, is, that is what I'm doing now in Indonesia with, with some other friend. So I try to I try to not to take my tradition for granted, but also I don't take the modern ideas that we have now also for granted. I don't, I don't take democracy for granted also. I don't take uh, human rights for granted. I don't, I don't take uh, the idea of, of gender justice for granted. We need to question it. And why? Because, because because people come from different tradition. It's not, uh, it's not, I think to say that tradition is completely irrelevant is just, uh, it's, 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 not, it's not an intelligent way to do the job. Um, I think we need more, more sophisticated uh, answer to the question. And, and, the, and, 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 and the more sophisticated answer is, is how to engage tradition and also modernity together, critically, of course. Yeah. It's, not, it's not just simply accepting tradition, I mean, Islamic tradition as it is, or in accepting modernity as it is, but it, it needs some engagement, a critical engagement with, with, with both. And the way to engage uh, both concepts critically is... is is to have dialogue. Um, so there is there is a space for democracy or for for modern ideas to criticize the tradition, but also there is space for the tradition to to criticize the the modern ideas. So I think this is this is more responsible 
way to deal with, with, with this question of Islam and democracy, Islam and such and such and such, because there are many questions that is framed within this um, question, Islam and democracy, Islam and something, Islam and something, so many things others. So I think this is just an introduction to, to, to a discussion. Thank you. If any question or comment. Oh, yes, okay. evangelicals uh, in America, uh, the right wing in Israel, uh, evangelical Christian Zionists in America, uh, all those who seem to believe that the Bible tells them what the political solution should be, uh, and Muslims uh, fundamentally. Yeah. Yeah, this is uh, it's not an easy question to answer. Uh, okay, before I, I have why it's happened now and not before, I think there are many factors. Uh, Iranian revolution in 79 was one of the important factors. Um, and also, um, there, there is a deep sense among the Muslims that they are like facing a a threat. They are under siege yeah, from some enemy from outside. And one way to protect themselves from this uh, threat is to cover. But the problem is that the, the woman is, is responsible for protecting this, this, this identity. Why woman and not man? Or this, is, this is also my question. And, so in, in many cases, um, this is, this is a, a sad story about the Islamic movement in the modern era that women tend to be a victim of any issues that has been uh, raised by this movement. So when, when one of the solutions that those activists came up in, in 60s or 70s after the defeat of Egypt by Israel in, in, in June 67 war was that this is because the, the answer was because we do not practice defined law consistently. So this is, this is, this is the diagnosis because we, and this is interesting. They say that Jew practice Judaism more consistent than Muslim. And in order, to, in order to solve this problem is that Muslims need consistency, more consistency in, in obeying God, God law. That's why they came up with a solution that women should be covered, uh, Islamic law should be enacted as, as a positive law, and so forth. 
So this is this political factors. I have an opinion about about this this failure um, about covering the head and um, some some women not only cover their head but also their face, what is called as purda or niqab in some Islamic country. Um, I think um, one of the well, one of the reason is because there is a a tendency in which Muslims are not exposed to their own rich tradition. So, you know, there is a, a similar trend in Islamic society in which there is a... More, people become more religious. Uh, it's called born-again Muslims. It's like Christian-born uh, or born-again Christian, Muslim-born uh, born again Muslim. So this is one of the new trends. And one of the interesting characteristics of, of those people who are born again as a religious people is that they tend to be more religious than the normal Muslim. They are more Catholic than the Pope, uh, <laughs> so to speak. Yeah. So, and it is, it is very... It's very, it's very common. So among those, among those people who are, who are just, who are just, you know, aha, this is religion. So they, they just enjoy this uh, excitement of being more religious uh, people, um, person, and, and, but they are not exposed to the tradition. They don't know exactly what kind of legal discussion that is going on around this concept of of hijab or of jilbab or of covering the head. They don't know about it. They just want a simple solution. And I think, I think people tend to need to be more, you know, to, to they, they, they like a simple solution than a sophisticated solution. And religion gives them simply that. So they like it. Yes. Um, yeah, this is this is a, a serious question. Also, um, if you, I think the, the other day I saw pictures from Aceh um, after tsunami um, in New York Times. Uh, uh, pictures where a woman was flogged, um, um, and many people surround her. So it is. Public punishment for for the women uh, who not I don't know what is what is uh, the crime or what is what is uh, what what type of crime that she committed, but the punishment was conducted in public, you know, uh, uh, public space and people saw it, and it's, it was terrible, <laughs> as as a scene and as a pictures is is troubling for me. Um, it's like a medieval practice of punishing people like if you see uh, Scarlet Letter, you know, <laughs> Scarlet Letter uh, movie, um, yeah. Uh, a person who committed adultery is punishable to death, and the punishment is um, to stone until death. 
and the punishment should be conducted in public. It's not in private. Uh, it's like in prison. No, it's, it's not like in um, yeah death penalty in modern prison. You just sit in the room and then you gas and then you die. No, it's, it's public's punishment. And it is terrible actually. Um, and and this is one of the problem actually with the Islamic law. And because because there is this type of punishment um, in our law, I mean, in, in, in Islamic law. There is such type of punishment. And the problem with the Muslim is that they take it for granted. It is, it is a God uh, command. You cannot, you cannot reject, so you must practice it. Um, but my interpretation of this this is my personal opinion, of course, as, as a liberal Muslim. And I believe that this interpretation is, is, is heavily is, 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 is grounded in the tradition. My interpretation is that this particular type of punishment is, is a common practice at that time in, in the whole region in, in, in Middle Eastern countries. I mean, this is, this is, in, this is practice in Judaism. This is also... One one of the punishment that is also uh, known in Islamic legal tradition is is a crucifixion. So if uh, one of the serious crime, if you if you um, um, what is marampok um, babil? No, no, just if if you if you if you attack people and then you steal their properties and then you kill them. This is called as as khiraba crime. As um, uh, it's a very serious crime. If you attack, kill, and steal the properties of the people, you are liable to punishment, and the punishment is crucifixion. And the crucifixion is is conducted in public space. It's not it's not a yeah. It is it's public punishment, and this practice is also in Roman society. So I mean, I mean, Islamic law is just simply borrowing something from other cultures, and and I think this is how other cultures and civilization do. I mean, it's not it's not unique and peculiar to Islam. It is it is the case with other cultures. They borrow from other cultures if because for them this is a this is a good practice at the time, but the problem is that is is this good now? I don't think I, as a Muslim, I am seriously troubled by this scene of women being flocked publicly, because of in Aceh, Aceh is one province in Indonesia in which Islamic law is is fully, almost fully implemented, and one of the laws says that if you don't um, if you don't uh, go to mosque. Uh, in Friday for the congregation, uh, three times consecutively, you are liable to one month um, jail. So I mean, this is this is serious for me. I mean, as as a Muslim, I I see it as a serious. Um, um, yeah, but but I know I understand that some Muslims believe that this is a divine law. Because going to mosque every day is an, a religious uh, commandment, it's a religious uh, obligation. So if you don't go to mosque every Friday, that's that's a serious um, violation of the God God law, and you must be punished by yeah any any type of punishment. So so for me for me yes, in Islamic law there is some injunction that is stipulating that such and such punishment should be. Conducted if some people committed some some kind of crime, but I don't believe that this is this is uh, an eternal law that is not subject to time and space um, change. Yeah. Other comment or question? Yes. Uh, and, uh, one of the subjects that you mentioned in your talk was idea of compatibility between Islam and democracy and uh, like some of the Islamic uh, philosophers that say uh, 
uh, try to make the argument that there are certain Islamic practices that uh, can show us that that ex ex uh, actually democracy was a practice that is authentic to Islam, like Shura, when uh, during the time of the uh, four, four guidely uh, caliphates, uh, the caliphates were really consulting to the people when they were making the decisions, or that Prophet Muhammad made a covenant with the minority in Medina, and that was really a precursor of today's idea of pluralism, or there are certain arguments that say that human rights can be really deducted, deducted from certain precepts from the Quran, and these arguments are saying really that democracy as a secular concept cannot be accepted maybe, but we can, if we go back to the Islamic practices either in certain historical context or if we go to the Quran, we can find certain elements that will bring us to the democracy as well. And I was going to ask what your position is on these issues. Do you think that this is a tenable position or it, is it just a strategic uh, move by certain philosophers to convince people, yeah, okay, I mean, we are Muslims, but look, this is from our tradition and we can become democracy. Yeah, that's, that, is simply, that is exactly the argument of the modernist or moderate Muslim mm -hmm. uh, with regard to the issue of Islam and democracy. And they say simply that, that Islam, uh, democracy is authentic mm -hmm. to Islam simply because there is uh, an existing tradition in Islam in which deliberation and consultation is, 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 um, is, um, yeah, is seen as, as yeah. <laughs> As a, as a principle to conduct the public affair. Yes, but the, okay, th that's my position as well, but I try to, to show to you the diversity of how Muslim uh, look at this issue. And from the other side, uh, some, some Muslim um, activists say that it's not, um, yes, consultation and deliberation, or shuro, as you say, is, is an Islamic uh, practice, and it was practiced during the Prophet time in 7th century Arabia. But shuro is, is, is different from democracy. Shuro is not, you know, uh, the basic question for the Muslim about democracy is this. Democracy is, is predicated upon the assumption that people has a sovereignty, has, has a say to decide on some, some public affair. So if people decide on something in such fashion, in such manner, that is against um, God law, what's, what to do? And this is, this is a rhetorical question that was posed by Maududi from Pakistan. Maududi was one of the Muslim ideologues from Pakistan who is seen as the father of Islamic uh, fundamentalism. Maududi said, and this is a very interesting question, uh, he said that, and he picked up an example from America. In America, I don't, I don't exactly where, where, when this happened in America, but he said that in America in 30s or in 20s, uh, al alcohol was was legal, was legalized uh, because people people say yes to alcohol, and then after a while, it it, it was illegal because people change their mind. Oh, it's not it's not good, so we change uh, our legislation, so it's not legal at all. So so Maududi make this as, as an, a case in which democracy is not a solid and um, you know a solid basis for conducting public affairs because you have you have people who has different opinion if you follow people people has different opinion but God is one God is more consistent but public opinion is not consistent so consistency is better than <laughs> Non-consistency. That's why Islamic uh, shura is because Islamic shura is not is not going to be seen as, uh, uh, as you know, as 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 a practice to to cancel out 
divine law. Shura is 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 you know it's limited within the framework of the divine law. So it's not democracy according to them. And I think I think that is good argument for them. Even though I, I don't I don't agree with them, but it is it is a good point that democracy is suffering from a defect. And that defect is that democracy is subject to change. And change is not good because God is unchangeable. <laughs> so public life should be uh, fashioned um, according to God's image. And image in God, God is, is unchanging. So public life should not be changing. That is, that is uh, I think, the point. Okay. Um, I just want, you said that the second aspect of divine law is um, the legal or general opinions created by Muslim scholars about the Islam. I was wondering if there are prominent Muslim scholars today that are being written to expand in the modern context that, can, that can contribute to this body of law in a way that legitimizes um, a modern, liberal um, interpretation that sort of feels it. Yeah, there are there are a lot of uh, many scholars who do that job um, in state. Um, one is Professor uh, Abdullahi Anaim, who is currently teaching in Emory University in, in Atlanta. Uh, the other professors is Professor Khalid Abdul Fadl, who is teaching in UCLA, and and uh, yeah, both professors are prominent scholars in modern era that try to yeah reinterpret Islamic law in in such a way that is compatible with the liberal democracy. And, but I think, yeah, there are, there are other professors in many other Islamic countries. And this is my, my concluding remarks. I have a kind of optimism that, that Muslim who live in state or in Western countries, um, given the fact that they are exposed to a different social and cultural situation. They live in more open society. They live in more liberal society. They, I say to many my fellow Muslims that the only, the only way for the Muslim to appreciate secularism is that when they live as minority. Because secularism is, is the only, you know, is the only, the only guarantee for the minority to live, you know, respectfully is in the society. But if you are in the majority, you do not, you lost sight of the benefit of secularism. But, but by the time you live as minority in society, you will see the benefit, the merit of the secularism. And I, I have an optimism that, that Muslims who live in, in Western countries like in, in state here, uh, they can develop um, a different type of, of Islam that is more uh, in favor of, of, of um, democracy, of, lib of modern practices that we, we, we have now. But I'm optimist also that I'm optimist also that that Indonesia can give also some good example. Um, yeah, despite some some criticism that I have for some Islamic group in my country, but I still have some belief that Indonesia can be uh, a good example, yeah, in addition to Turkey and other countries, yeah. Because, yeah, this is the, the, sad, the sad facts about Islamic world now is that democracy is not deeply rooted. Um, almost all Islamic uh, governance is, 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 is uh, authoritarian and non-democratic. And so, so yeah, I, and, and that's happened. I mean, there, there are a lot of professors in state who are very productive and um, introducing many, um, you know, a new method to understand and to re-evaluate the Islamic tradition because they, they enjoy freedom here because if they do that in back in their country, 
they might be liable to some uh, harassment. Um, yeah, some scholars suffer from harassment because of um, unorthodox opinion about religion, yeah. and they are forced to flee the country and stay in, yeah, in the West. So, given the fact that they, they live and they enjoy freedom here, they are they are capable of of of, of doing more more uh, you know uh, a different method of, of interpretation of the tradition. Thank you very much. Thank you.